Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. So today I thought we'd talk about progesterone and progestogens. So a progestogen is a synthetic progesterone that's been produced because it's better absorbed as a tablet and has therefore been the standard for using in medication for IVF cycles for 35 years. So let's start by saying why we need progesterone in an IVF cycle. Well, one of the effects of stimulating lots of follicles and collecting the eggs is that the hormone levels get very high, the estrogen level gets very high, as does the progesterone level once we give the trigger injection. But then what happens, and we discovered this very early on, is that the cycle drops off very quickly. The levels of hormones drop off very, very quickly. And what that produces is an early period. And obviously with an early period, you're not going to get implantation of an embryo. So therefore, very early on in the history of IVF, that fact was realised and so to save the lining of the womb from breaking down early we started to give extra progesterone that used to be in tablet form and then it was felt that it was better given into the vagina where it's near the uterus. By giving progesterone extra to what the body was producing resulted in the lining of the womb remaining stable and allowing implantation to occur. What has happened over the last 15 years is that the realisation that vaginal progesterone was probably better has resulted in a number of pharmaceutical companies producing a variety of products to use as luteal phase support. So that's supporting the lining of the womb in the second half of the cycle. So what are these various formulations? What are their pluses? What are their minuses? And are they all the same? To answer the last question first, they're probably all the same. Whatever your doctor provides, whatever he script he writes, really the evidence is that there's no difference between the vaginal products. The majority of the vaginal products are really only progesterone, natural progesterone not a synthetic progestin and that through the vaginal wall that progestin can be absorbed and concentrations of appropriate levels can be found in the uterine muscle and in the uterine lining and the effects of that can be felt and seen in pregnancy rates and in histological examination of uh, the lining of the womb in experimental situation. That progesterone can come in the form of a pessary, like a suppository, except it's put in the vagina. Uh, So the first option is a progesterone pessary, which is like a little bullet. 
and uh, that's inserted into the vagina. It's a wax-based product. And so with the heat of the body, it softens and eventually dissolves and releases the progesterone, which gets absorbed into the vaginal skin and then into the circulation. That has a positive in that it's been around for many, many years, proven to be safe. Its downside is that it actually is very messy. Most women are not particularly comfortable using it if there was an alternative. The next is a injectable gel, crinone, which again is messy in the sense that it is a gel and while its absorption is possibly quicker than with the pessary, the end results are exactly the same. Generally, we give these medications at least twice a day because the half-life after they've dissolved is around about 12 hours. So to actually keep the levels up, we have to do it twice daily. The next are tablets, tablets that dissolve. So there are two products in Australia on the market, Endometrin, and the other one is Uterogestin. These are progesterones that are absorbed. They have the advantage that they are not as messy to actually insert them is probably a little more tricky, but overall, most patients, given a choice between the two, probably would choose the tablets as the uh, option of choice. So there are various ways of giving progesterone. Recently, there is data starting to come out that suggests that taking these micronized progesterone tablets orally is as effective as using the vaginal route. Now, because we've used them for 30 years vaginally, we're reluctant to use progesterone in any other way because success rates appear to be good and there was some earlier evidence with some of the other medications that oral medication wasn't quite as good. However, as I say, some randomised studies just recently have indicated that oral medication is probably going to be as good as vaginal. That research, however, is slightly clouded by the fact of more of some different research which has shown that while I started out this talk saying it was essential to have progesterone in the second half of the cycle because of the fall in progesterone, it would appear that only about half the women really need it. The problem is we don't know which half at, at the time and therefore to make sure given the cost and the and the emotional investment in the cycle, we don't want to take chances when progesterone certainly does no physical harm to you, albeit it may be very messy. So even if you miss a progesterone pessary, you're probably not doing any major harm to yourself or the chances of a pregnancy. If you miss them for days on end, possibly you're going to put your pregnancy at risk. One of the questions that still debated in international meetings is when we should start progesterone. As I said at the beginning, the levels of progesterone are very high around the trigger injection and the day or two afterwards. And it's only really three to five days later that levels begin to fall in most patients. Some people start progesterone on the day of the trigger. Some people start it on the day of the egg collection. So that's 48 hours later. Some of them start it not until the day of embryo transfer. And to date, there really is no evidence that any of those days is any different from any others in terms of success rates. So again, don't panic if you don't start it on the day that the doctor or the nurses have said start on a particular day before the embryo transfer and you forget. There's nothing to worry about. It would seem that even delaying until four or five days after the egg collection is still going to give you a good result. 
the other way of stimulating progesterone production by the body and rescuing those levels of progesterone is to give HCG injections, pregnancy hormones. Because the body's reaction to knowing it's pregnant is to produce more progesterone. That the ovaries produce more progesterone when they're exposed to pregnancy hormones. So giving HCG can resolve the fall in progesterone problem. However, it has been associated with an increased risk of hyperstimulation syndrome. So it should only be used in patients where a small number of eggs have been collected. If you've had more than 10 eggs collected, you really should not have HCG injections as luteal phase support. There are still some doctors who believe that that's the best way. And it's certainly from the, the woman's point of view, having three injections rather than twice daily pessaries is much more convenient. It is no better. Statistically, it's been shown not to be any better than, than giving progesterone vaginally. And it does have that risk. So really it is reserved for a small group of patients. So that's all about progesterone and progestogens and why we use them in the second half of the cycle and what the products are. Particularly if you're unhappy about the messiness of the pessaries or the gel, there is the alternative of tablets, so talk to your doctor about them. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. 